Man, we're super excited that you joined us today. Today we get the honor and privilege to announce the 2018 and 19 graduating class of the Garden Internship. It's been an amazing year. Uh, this is the fifth year. Tomorrow we start year six, so just be praying for the future interns because they take off tomorrow out of the gates. But today our focus is on uh, the three interns that dedicated the year of their life and said, God, whatever you want, your will be done, not our will. And uh, us as directors of the internship program made sure it was not their will, that it was God's will. <laughs> and and uh, they've come a long, long way. And today you get a glimpse of what God's done in their life. Uh, today we have a special service planned just for you guys. Um, Kevin here is over the spiritual growth of the interns and tell them a little bit about what they've done this year and kind of where they've started and where they're at now. Well, I think when they come in, everyone wants uh, the convenience of transformation without being inconvenienced. And so right away, we want to put a lot of inconvenience in their life. <laughs> you know, it's not convenient to memorize a hundred scriptures. It's not convenient to learn theology. It's not convenient all the time to read a bunch of books and be here at five in the morning, 12 o'clock at night. It's not convenient, but it's in those inconveniences that you really begin to grow and, and you really begin to be challenged. And that's really what the internship's all about. It's about growing and serving the body and honoring our pastors. They've done a lot and I, I want to make sure they hear this before we move forward, that today they're graduating, but it's not the end. They're not done. What we're going to do today is launch them into the beginning of what God wants to do through them for the rest of their lives. Today is going to be an amazing service, so get your notebooks out, get ready. They got something amazing planned. Kev, give it to them. Well, this morning, first off, Francisco Cruz is going to bring the word to us. How many love Francisco? Oh, yeah. So this morning, we got three young lions, two lions and a lioness that's going to bring the word of God. So you know what we need to do? These are our kids here. So, man, if they got something that you like, give them an amen. Let's get behind them. Give them a shout. Give them some crazy words. Strap it on me. Anything you got. Just get them fired up. Let's be with them this morning. They've got a great, great word. I really think that you'll be encouraged. But let's talk about Francisco for a minute. An old preacher once told me, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I want to pass that on to Francisco. It's not how you started the internship but it's how you're finishing the internship. At the start of the internship, it was a real struggle for Francisco. It was Francisco's will against God's will. And God's been doing this thing a long time, so I think we know who's going to win that battle. But there was a few times I wanted to box his ears a couple of times, but only because we could see that God had a very unique and call and purpose on his life. And we didn't want him to miss the opportunity. Because on a, you, never, you never want to miss your opportunity. But Francisco, he never gave up. 
He never quit on himself. He didn't quit on his team, and we're so proud of you. It's an amazing thing to watch Jesus become more than just Savior of your life, but to become Lord of your life. And I think it's fitting this morning that Francisco's message is on the Lordship test. So give it up for my friend, Francisco Cruz. First of all, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. Can I be real with you guys today? Can I be honest? So in the internship, we had the privilege to read a set of books. One of the books that we read was the uh, Proving Ground book by Pastor Kevin Gerald. In Kevin Gerald's book, he list, uh, set a, a test that we will encounter throughout our journey. Uh, one of the tests was the Lordship test. And in that test, there's three points that I got. And it's God's love language, denying the flesh, and God works all things for our good. My first point, what is God's love language? Have you guys ever wondered what is his love language? That's something I asked myself throughout the internship. In the very beginning, it is true. Me and God fought. Me and God argued. I questioned him. I wondered if he loved me. And we all know it. He won. <laughs> but I always wondered, do you know what I'm doing for you? Can you tell what I do for you? I watched him bless people. I watched him bless my family, John and Candy. I watched their lives change, and I wondered, are you going to change mine? In the very beginning, if I'm honest, I, I thought the internship was about me. And later I realized that the internship was never about me. Never has, never will. It was about all of you guys. That was the blessing, to watch Every weekend, people raise their hand to watch people get baptized. That was the blessing that God had in my life, to watch God do a work in all, all of you. God's love language. What is God's love language? In John 14, verse 21, it says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. John 15, verse 9 through 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, God's love language is obedience. How many of us know, though, that in obedience, there's going to be many, many times where we have to deny our flesh, deny what we want to collide with God's will? And that's my second point, denying the flesh. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. 
Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Matthew 26, verse 36 through 42. This whole, year, this whole year in the internship, I've been in my own garden in Gethsemane. I look back to the very, very beginning. I remember picking up a packet. I was working for Chris at the time. I remember going over the packet and telling Chris, dude, all these rules in this packet, I'm meant to fail this internship. <laughs> Everything it says not to do, I am currently doing that and above. <laughs> I was, I, I was going to fail. It hasn't been easy. I've always felt like if I was in control, that I had the power to control the outcome, and if it didn't go my way, that at least I knew how to fix it. Many times, I decided to do, yes, my will and not God's will. I wanted to be in control. It was never easy. At the end of it, at the end of every choice, I felt the same feeling, and I never was satisfied. I was never, ever satisfied. I felt so close, but yet so far away from God. Every single time. If I was to paint a picture for you, it's kind of like this. I was in prison. God was my visitor. He visited me often, so we were close. We were close. He visited me. We talked. We were close. But yet we were so far away because there was a window in between. So we had that barrier. I just wanted to feel him fully, not just close and yet far away, but fully feel his presence, his love, and his joy. It hasn't been easy. I'd like to say that it's been a joy ride being obedient to God, <laughs> but it hasn't. But I know this, that I know for myself and I know for all of you, that God has a plan, a future, and a promise for all of you. He thinks of you, you're worthy. He leaves the 99 for you. There's a promise in every single one of you. You're worthy. We hear it often here in this house. You're loved, you're accepted, and you belong. God loves you. And knowing that it hasn't been easy, I know God can use any and every situation for good. And that's my third point. God can use any and every situation for good. In Isaiah it says, I will make a way where there is no way. I will look, don't ponder on the past. I'm going to put a road in the wilderness. I'm going to make rivers in the desert. I think back when I was in high school, it was my last uh, senior year. It was my senior year. It was my last season of soccer. I was... I was convinced that I was going to have the best season possible, that perhaps I was going to have the best season and receive a full-ride scholarship to go play somewhere. That's all I've ever wanted to do since I was like a kid. I've played it since I was small. I've wanted to be a soccer star. I wanted to be pro. So before season started, I had a whole month of conditioning practice. 
I showed up every day. My goal was that I was going to show up every day, run the hardest, train the hardest. And I did. I was playing. I was playing great, honestly. But then season started and something happened that I did not expect. I didn't play the first game. I didn't have the grades. But it was no, no problem. I, it, talent wasn't an issue. It never has been an issue. The grades, I was going to get them up. It was no problem. I got them up. And it was like the third game into the season. We were playing Hanford. And... Uh, I get called in to go to the game, but I didn't play the way I expected. I made tackles in the wrong spot. I missed tackles. I read the wrong place. And I was like a chicken running around without a head. I get pulled out of the game. The coach doesn't say a word to me. I sit down, and the guys are like, dude, don't worry about it. Brush it off. You go back in. But I didn't go back in. But I still had... 15 games or so left for the season. No worries, right? I still got the whole season left. But something happened that I didn't expect. I didn't go back in for the rest of the season. And I think now that how Isaiah says, don't ponder on things of the past. I'm about to do something. Look, you'll miss it. I pondered on that game. My season was over that game. Although I had 15 games left, it was that game that I stayed stuck on because I didn't do well. I honestly gave up. I didn't have the same desire for the rest of the season, and I actually stopped showing up. And I didn't notice this, and I didn't notice this in the beginning of the internship either, but as it went on, I noticed that my actions actually had a ripple effect to everyone around me. And throughout that season... My best friend ended up quitting with me later on. And after that, the team just started to fall apart. And it was because of a choice that I made that the ripple effects affected everyone around me, not just me. My season was over, but yours isn't. And I don't know where you are in life. I don't know whether you're winning or you're losing. But I want to tell you something. God has a word, and he says that it doesn't return, return void, that it accomplishes what he pleases. But not only that, it prospers in the thing for which he sent it. So I don't know where you are in life, but I believe that God spoke a word over every single one of you, that there's an assignment over every single one of you. You're worthy, you're loved, you're accepted. You have something to offer. God wants to do something in you and through you. His word never returns void. And the word he spoke over you will prosper. I'll finish with this. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, When I was a child, I spoke and acted like a child. But when I grew up, I put away child, childish things. Amen. And that's what I've learned throughout my internship. That putting away childish things meant obeying God. That it meant that more than often I was going to have to deny my flesh to collide with God's will and his promises. And at the end, I learned that Regardless of who you are, who I am, and what we've done in life, that God can use 
all things and works all things for our good. Thank you. I love you guys. Love you. Wow. That was amazing. Next up, we have a lioness preacher named Candy Suarez. Just want to talk about Candy for just a moment. There's a promise from God's word that we watch be fulfilled this year in Candy's life. It's Psalms 92:13. It says, "Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish." And that is exactly what Candy did. She flourished. Candy flourished in a relationship with God and with people. She flourished in peace, she flourished in hope. She flourished in confidence. She flourished in being a mother. Candy grew stronger in so many ways. She even can do more push-ups than the two other interns. <laughs> hey, she's tough, let me tell you. She's tough. But Candy's journey was a little bit different than John's and Francisco's. Candy has two children. It's never easy to get your two kids ready and get them down to the church at 8.30 in the morning, Monday through Thursday. But she did it anyway. Candy didn't allow what God had blessed her with to stop her from doing what God had called her to do. And we're so proud of you. We're glad to be a part of your life, and we're looking forward to what God is going to do through you in the future. You're an amazing, amazing person. And so, this morning, she has a word on the test of small things from God's Word. So give it up for Candy Suarez. You got it. Thank you guys for having me. Okay. Good morning. Thank you, everybody, for being here to support us and just be here. Um, my name is Candy. I'm an intern here at the Garden. And during the internship, we got the ability to read a book called Proving Your Own 2.0. Um, some of the things that I got from it um, and that will be my points today are becoming obedient, uh, begin to follow God's will, and being open to receive what God has for you. If you haven't read the book yet, I encourage everybody to do so. It's a really good book. Um, I felt like, for me personally, it answered a lot of questions that I had in different seasons of my life where I was either confused or didn't know how to handle situations, didn't know what my next move should be. Um, so for my first point today, becoming obedient, um, I hope everybody will agree with me on this. Being obedient is not ever easy. Come on. <laughs> I, at least I know it hasn't always been easy for me. So, um, so yeah, uh, part of the, the being obedient with, so the uh, story behind that is I'm a single mom. I have two children. Um, and in being a single mom, I've always, you know, carried the weight of both roles. And, you know, Throughout the internship, after I got saved and I came to know God and started getting really 
started witnessing God move in my life, um, I started to feel like it was my obligation to uh, bring my children's father to salvation. I felt like it was my duty, like I had to do this. And the more and more that I thought I failed, um, you know, the harder it was to just accept that it wasn't my duty. Um, so a couple of months ago, I felt the stirring in my spirit that God was telling me, it's time to let go. Well, I don't agree with that, but Pastor Tom has said, you know, you're not in full submission until you disagree with what God is telling you to do. And I fully believe that now because still to this day, I disagree what with God is, what God is telling me to do. Um, but I know God is good, and I know his will is the only will. So, um, so I've obeyed that. Um, Ephesians 5.16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make, every, make the most of every opportunity. And the thing is, is like with this small step in obedience... I knew that I was taking a step into God's will, and it was an opportunity for me to do that and watch God move in my life. Um, something in the book that I came across was, there are always small choices along the way that play a part in seeing God's plan come to fruition in our lives. And that's very true. When we trust God and, and take a step in obedience and know that His way is the right way for us, that He's going to move in our life, and His plan will start showing for us. Um, so beginning to follow God's will. How many people in here have kids? Everybody? Almost everybody? That was nice. Um, our kids amazing. They're so like, they're such fun little creatures, you know. They, <laughs> they just do the most amazing things and they're so fun and just, you know, there's always something new to them. Um, so funny thing about being a parent is, you know, you tell your kids, hey, stay at the table with your Cheerios or, you know, stay in your room with the Legos because if you've ever stepped on one of those little Legos, they hurt when you have no shoes on. Um, and so, you know, your kids, you, they eat or they play with their toys and you always find a trail of them throughout the house, in the living room, you know, kitchen, bedroom, bathroom, up the walls sometimes. Um, and... What that made me think of was, you know, God has left us his word with clues, just the same way that our kids leave us, you know, toys with, as a trail. It's like God has left us clues in his word to, like, lead us into the right direction and help us get through situations and, and just to let us know that he has a plan and a purpose for us. And we, can't, we won't know what those clues are and we won't know where to go or what our next move should be if we're not getting into the word and being intentional about it and meditating in it and knowing that like what God's word is telling us is real. And, and that's what he wants us to do. The Bible says you've been faithful in handling this small amount that I will give you many more responsibilities. And that's very true. You know, if you spend a couple of minutes in the morning and you just read and you and you intentionally seek things that God has left for us you'll begin to notice that the the word will start speaking to you things will so you'll start to get enlightened and get different insights on what you're supposed to be doing and know that God has a purpose for you um be open to receive this was a really good one for me 
Um, so I'm sure that a lot of people noticed that like when I started, when I first started coming to church, I was very closed off. I didn't smile a lot. I had a very serious face or, you know, I just was a very closed off person. Didn't like, you know, doing the people thing wasn't my thing. Um, and part of that is because of the things that I've been through in my life. You know, before I came to church and before I started the internship, I was um, in prison. And uh, before my prison sentence, I, was, uh, I wasn't living a good life. I was living a life of a fool. My daily life was consisted of doing things that weren't of God, and I was very far from him. Um, when I went to prison, I started reconnecting with my family, you know, over phone calls and stuff. And, you know, I spoke to my mom and grandma, and they're older than me, so you know what? I have to listen to them. <laughs> I can't tell them, no, okay, I don't want to do that, or no, you're wrong, or, you know, I, I know that they want what's best for me, so it's like, and they're my mom and my grandma, and they, you know. They probably wouldn't like if I told them anything other than that. <laughs> um, so when I got out, I um, came to visit for the first time, and I had my first conversation with my brother, Fredo. Um, and we've been through similar things in life where, you know, we just have lived through the same series of events. And, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, when I spoke to him, one of the things that really stood out to me was he knew my past and he never guilted me for it. He never judged me or made me feel badly for it. And um, he started speaking things that I now know, you know, are out of the Bible and that, you know, these are things that God put in his heart that help him get through difficult situations. And he was speaking these things to me. So when I seen the trust that my brother had, and he's younger than me, so that makes a really big difference, you know. Um, I just felt something tell me, like, if my brother can trust God, then that means I can too. Even though I've been through, you know, situations in my life where people have disappointed me or hurt me or caused me pain or I've lost people and they've broken my trust, it's like, God is not like people. He's worthy. He's faithful. He's good. He's, you know, a deliverer. And one of the things that, you know, I've come to learn is like Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord, thoughts to give you a hope and a future. And it's like, you know, people can't fulfill you like God can. People can promise you things, but sometimes there's things that happen and life happens and we're just humans and, you know, we get disappointed, but that's not God. God is good. He's amazing in the least of words, this is just, he's amazing. Um, you know, I know that God has put uh, people, places, and things, and situations in our lives in order for us to grow and get through things. But it's like, you have to make room for God. He won't come in unless you allow him to come in. You have to let him know, hey, God, I give you authority over my life and over my heart for you to come in and move. And he won't do that unless you allow him to. So that's why you have to be open to receive what he has for you, because what he has for you is, is good.
So today I challenge each and every one of you, if you just begin to trust God by obeying what he is asking you to obey, even if you disagree. <laughs> it's okay to disagree. Um, and just begin to follow his will because his will is the right way for you. Um, and be open. Make room for God. Things that, that you don't need in your life anymore. Those disappointments or those hurts or pains that you're carrying from a long time ago, get rid of those so that he has room to work in your life. And in the Bible, it says that God works all things for our good. And that is true. God works every situation, good, bad, ugly, distorted, or whatever. And we may not see it, but he works everything for our good. And most importantly, God wants you to pass these tests of small things. And it's, you know, it's a test to see, will you be obedient? Will you follow my will? Um, will you make room for me? These are all small tests that he wants you to pass so that you can collide with his will. And remember that with every test comes promotion. If we pass the test, it's preparation, you know, to be brought into the promised land. Thank you. Wow, she did amazing. Whew. She's a preacher. Watch out, Joyce Meyer. <laughs> Last but least, I think you all know Jonathan Brightman. John's a church kid. He grew up in this house. He's gone through the whole system here pretty much. He's been around here a long time. And John's got an amazing family. So I think we wanted to make the internship a little bit harder on him. I think we all did. <laughs> because we knew he had purpose on the inside of him, and we wanted to make sure that he got everything that he could out of the internship. And I think he did. The first day of the internship, I asked John a question. I said, hey, John. Well, I didn't say John. I said, hey, what's your name? He said, he looked at me kind of funny. He said, John. I said, John what? He said, John Brightman. I said, Brightman? He says, Brightman. I said, John Brightman? He says, yeah, Jonathan Brightman. I said, well, if your last name's Brightman, you better be bright, man. <laughs> and I just walked off, just messing with him. But bright he was. He was usually always the first one in the building, always had a great attitude, never complained, always willing to help and serve his team. He's an amazing guy. But every week, I would ask John, the first several weeks of the internship, when I'd come in, I'd ask John, I'd say, what's your name? He'd say, uh, Jonathan Brightman. All right. Every week, what's your last name? Brightman. So pretty soon, I, I started coming up with this rhyme. My name is Brightman. I share the light, man. And I start working on this rhyme every time, every week. My name is Bright Man. I share the light, man. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, man. I kept working on this thing week after week, reminding him who he is. Your name is Bright Man. You share the light, man. By January, I had it figured out. And they've been hearing this rhyme from January all the way to August. Every week, they hear this when I walk in. My name is Bright Man. I share the light, man. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, man. I fear no evil, for I am a bright man. 
I share the light, man. My name is John. Like the Baptist, I walk through the wilderness eating locusts. <laughs> My name is Bright Man. I share the light, man. John, we are, as a family, we are so, so proud of you. We're honored to be a part of your future. John this morning has a word on attitude. Can you give it up for my friend, Jonathan the Bright Man? How y'all doing? Good. I dropped my water, though. So uh, during the internship, we were given uh, a couple books to read, and uh, the one I picked was Why Today Matters by John Maxwell. And there's a chapter uh, on attitude, and uh, my three points, they are uh, time to adjust, time to acknowledge positivity, and time to change. And so, you know, I like to think that most of us have cars, and you know, sometimes we like to go fast, sometimes we go slow. And recently, my car ran into a couple of problems. And so I'm calling up my uncle, and I'm like, hey, I know you've got a really cool garage. So uh, would you be able to help me out with my car? And he's like, yeah, dude, come on, just come over. And so I go, and I'm driving, and my check engine light comes on. And so I'm there, and I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, you know, like, is this a big deal? Is this going to be something that's going to cost me a lot of money? Is this going to be something that's, you know, going to take out my savings account? And so I go, and he checks it out, and it's, you know, it's a small thing. And, you know, the cool thing, well, I guess it's not cool, but the unfortunate thing is that we're not all as fortunate as that because, you know, with our attitude, it's kind of like our engine. It's like in our brain, and it helps us function, and if we have the wrong attitude and we push it off and we push it off and, you know, we respond in a way that isn't correct and we push it off, eventually we'll drive ourselves six feet deep. And the reason why is because our attitude is our engine. And with the car, if you just leave the check engine light on, eventually your car won't work and you won't have a car anymore. And that's our brain. If we don't check and adjust a small change in our brain, we're going to end up somewhere we don't want to be. And so John, he says that attitude always requires adjustment, and it never stays positive. And, you know, throughout the internship, uh, there, there were an infinite amount of opportunities for me to complain, for me to get angsty, for me to say, you know what, I give up. This is it. I don't want to do this anymore. And I didn't, because I realized that God... He's given me the ability to have a good attitude. And if I don't maintain that, you know, I'm not letting only myself down, but I'm letting my teammates down too. And so my question for you guys is like, what is God calling you to make a small change in? You know, what's God saying? Hey, like, you know, this isn't a big thing, but it can become a big thing if you let it go for too long. Because a big thing is just a whole bunch of small things, right? So going on to my next point for uh, time to acknowledge positivity. Uh, five or six years ago, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and um, I remember I was in the hospital, and it wasn't fun at all. I hated it. I was stuck with needles, and 
Uh, they told me at one point that my brain was actually swelling so much that I could have died. And uh, Pastor Tommy came in, and he prayed for me, and, you know, every, I got healed there. And um, it was really hard to stay positive through it, though, because, you know, I had to check my blood sugar like six times a day. I had to take insulin every time I ate. I had to take insulin when I woke up in the morning. And, you know, my lifestyle had changed. My world got flipped upside down. And, you know, I was going into my freshman year, so that made it, like, a bajillion times worse. And so, like, sometimes, like, it was hard because I was like, you know, I can't eat things I really like, like cake. Couldn't eat cake anymore. And I was like, it sucked. But John, he says, find something good in the midst of a difficult situation. And so sometimes, you know, like, it's hard to find something good. So if you can't find something good, look for God. Because God is good. And if you're looking for God, you'll realize what he's done in your life. You'll see that he's brought you from where you were, and you're here now, and you're prospering, and you're flourishing. And so, acknowledge God in your situation, because that will make you more positive. There's a video that I watched five or six years ago. There was this Jewish rabbi, and he was like, hey, guys, like, if you want your day to be better... Just list a couple of things you're grateful for. And so when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, when I'm praying, I'm like, hey, God, thank you that I have another opportunity to grow closer with my friends and family. Hey, God, thank you that I have another opportunity to grow closer with you. Hey, God, thank you that there's people in my life that want to see me win. Hey, God, thank you that there's people surrounding me that care. Hey, God, thank you. And you just go on and on, and you eventually realize, hey, there's so much positive in my life because if you look for the negative, that's all you're going to find. But if you look for the positive things, your life exponentially gets better. So my challenge for you guys is where do you think that you need to acknowledge God? Because the thing is, there's no desert that's true, too dry for God. Because God, he's the life giver, man. If you think that your desert is too dry, he'll add water. If you think that your desert can't produce fruit, He'll give you seed. He'll give you water. He'll give you restoration. He'll give you healing. He'll give you peace. He'll give you everything that you need because it says in the word of God that he has provided all of our needs. So you literally cannot lose. All right? You just can't lose. If you know what God says about you, you can't lose. If you have the right people in your life, you can't lose. If you have what you need, which is God, you can't lose ever. Point three. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. My third point is time to change. And so before the internship, before the internship, I was uh, with a couple of friends, and uh, we were doing, uh, we were passing the peace pipe. We were filling the wrong bowls. Um, <laughs> If you don't know what that means, uh, we were smoking weed and just getting really high. Um, wouldn't recommend it. But um, I looked out at my watch, and I'm like, hey, dudes, like, I need to be home in 10 minutes. And I'm like 30 minutes away from home. And they're like, well, then go, duh. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. So I hop in my car, and I'm driving. By the way, I don't endorse that at all. 
Do not do that. It's not worth it. And so I'm driving, and I get home, and my parents are like, hey, John, where were you at? And I'm looking at him like, because I'm just out of my mind. I'm like so high that I don't, I don't have an answer. And so I'm like, man, I'm really hungry. And like, if you don't know this about weed, you get really hungry. And so my inner scavenger comes out, right? And so I'm in my kitchen, and I'm like, oh, yeah, baby, there's some pizza. Oh, yeah, some bagels and some Cool Ranch Doritos. And I, I start eating it, and I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what I need. This is, yes, this is what I need. And, you know, I get into my room, and I look at my ceiling, and, you know, that's when my thoughts start attacking me. They're like, hey, John, because you did this, do you really think that God still wants to work in you? Do you really think that you're strong enough to accomplish what God has done for you or to even be worthy of what God has done for you? Do you think that you're strong enough to go and do everything that he's called you to do? You know, your dad, he says that you're supposed to do these things, but after you've done this, do you really think that you're good enough? And here's the thing. I gave up on myself then. But the thing is, God has never given up on you. Never. Never. God has never given up on you. It says in Philippians 1.6 that he who started a work in you will be faithful to complete it. So wherever you're at in life, God's there. He's working in you. God's there with you. He loves you. He, he's accepted you. You don't, God loves you so much, every single one of you. And so my thing, my question for you guys is like, where can you change? Because me and Pastor Tom and TJ and Francisco, we sat down for coffee a while ago. And man, he was telling us about why Jesus called the generation a generation of vipers. And so, like, we each gave our spiel, you know, we were like, oh, it probably means this. But he said it's because they would speak condemnation over everyone around them, but speak life to God. And so I was like, dang. So, like, that means, and then he goes on to say that they're actually poisoning whatever they attach themselves to. And so I'm like, ooh, what do I need to get out of my life that's poisoning me? Because I don't want to poison my family. I don't want to poison my friends. I don't want to poison anyone around me. I don't want to affect people in a negative way. And so my question for you guys is, what do you need to change? What do you, like, this isn't like a joking matter. Like, this is life or death. It says in the word that you have the authority to speak life or death over everything. And that it's in the power of your tongue. So what are you confessing? What are you saying? Are you poisoning people? So, hopefully you're not. I'll be praying that we're not. <laughs> but, uh, in conclusion, uh, attitude's always going to require adjustment. It's never going to stop getting out of line. It's never going to cease to annoy you. It's never going to cease fighting against you and whatever you might do. Two, if you find God in the midst, you'll find the good things in life. Because God's waiting for you. He's there for you. He's right by your side. It says in the Bible that you look ahead and you see him. 
you look behind you and you see him and you look to your side and he's right there. And that's true because God has never forsaken us or abandoned us, ever. And three, ultimately, if you change what you put in, you'll change what you put out. Pastor Tommy used to talk about water bottles and how, you know, if you fill them with water and you squeeze them, water will come out. But sometimes us, we are a water bottle, but we fill ourselves with poison. So when the enemy comes and squeezes us, poison comes out. So, like, we need to fill ourselves with the word of God and the promises of God. So when the enemy comes and squeezes us, the people around us don't get poisoned. They get lifted up. So I just want to thank you guys for coming. Thank you. Come on, give it up for the G interns. <laughs>